it is just great to be here, and we're going to continue our summer shorts series, and I, I told you my shorts were a little bit different than Tom's, and told you the story how my mom made my, my jams shorts, and conveniently, uh, Donna was in Cincinnati, got to spend a little time with my mom, was telling her about that, and my mom actually broke out the napkins that she made from my... The extra material from my shorts from the 80s. Huh? Woo, all right. Just, the, just thought I'd share that with you. Wow. God is good. You know what? God is good. He really is. We serve a wonderful, wonderful God who is good. You know what, and this is family, and it's good to pray with family, it's good to sing with family, it's good to laugh with family and to be with family. Today we're going to talk about God's uh, understanding, God's provision, God's providence, and God's sovereignty. And these words kind of get mixed and muddled in around together uh, sometimes, and I thought maybe today we could actually look into clarifying what each of these means and how they apply to us in our lives as believers. So let's just give this time uh, to the Lord, please, if you'll join me. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would just come, that these words would be your words, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, Father, that you would open up our ears and our, our minds to hear what you would say to us today. And Lord, for the, the ones here who just desperately need this message, Lord, we pray that they're here today. We pray that you would speak to them in a very special way that's just way beyond me, but that your Holy Spirit moves in this, Father. Lord, we lift up this time. We thank you for your word, the word that you've given us in the form of the Bible. We thank you that you speak to us. So just be with us during this time and speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to start uh, with the word provision. God's provision. In other words, God meets our needs. That's really all it means. And you know what? The cool thing about God is he loves us so much, sometimes he even goes the extra and meets our wants and our desires, right? But God is good, and he does provide. In Philippians 2.19, you've probably heard this before. I want to put it into context. He says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And this gets turned around so much to mean God's going to give you everything you want. Oh, well, you know, I'm not even going there. But you notice it says, God will meet all your what? Needs. He'll meet all your needs. Sometimes those needs are great, and he'll meet you right there. And that's awesome. It also says he's going to meet them according to his Riches, according to the riches of His glory. Excuse me. So remember that as He's meeting our needs, it's in accordance to His will. 
As He's meeting our needs, they're the needs that we need to be in the will of God. It's not that He has strings attached or anything, although He could if He's, because He's, well, He's God. He can do whatever He wants. But He loves us and He wants us to have good gifts. He wants to provide for us. He wants to give us good things. Sometimes our provision is is high, and other times it's exactly what we need a little at a time. When uh, when Don and I were were first married, uh, you know, we lived in this little house. I don't even know if it was a thousand square feet. Little tiny house, little tiny yard. It was one of those you could reach out your window and touch the next door neighbor's window, you know? kind of thing, and it, it had the, the old stone basement that you had to crouch down to get through, and it was constantly, like, weeping, the walls were and stuff. That was a blast, man. And uh, Donna was a, a college student at the time and, and working part-time, and I would just gone through just one of the hardest times of my life before that and uh, was, was coming out of that. And there were times where we realized that God, if it wasn't for God, we would just be out of luck. God provided everything we needed. And you know what? Sometimes that everything we needed was, was the raw men that were on sale for a dime a bag. You know what I'm saying? Right? Sometimes it was, and in fact, one of my favorite stories from back then was a box of Toastios, which is the generic Cheerios, uh, right, because there was no coupon for the Cheerios in the, in the Sunday paper, so we, we had the Toastios, and this thing lasted well over a month. Two of us eating on it. It was really a loaves and fishes thing. And most people go, well, you were probably just thinking something else. or what? No, I tell you, this box lasted way longer than it ever should have. And if you don't believe me, ask Donna, because she's smarter than I am. She's got much more honest faith. God provides for us right where we are, right when we need it. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8 says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Again, he blesses us abundantly. And again, sometimes it's just what we need to eat and have shelter and have transportation and have a job. And other times, it's, it's high cotton, right? Other times, it's where did you come from, God, and why did you do this? And I don't know, but I'll take it. Hallelujah. And I love those times, too. And those are great. The key is to continue to see him in both of those times. And the key is to understand why he blesses us, which is abound in every good work. That we continue to seek his will. And, and the other thing is we need to remember these abundances. We, we think of this sometimes as, well, God's going to, again, you know, give us things and supply our food and stuff. But, but it's, it's more than just material things, isn't it? It's grace that we talked about last week, how abundant that is. It's love. It's that peace that we have that passes all understanding. It's friendship. It's a great fellowship to come to on on Sunday mornings and to be with people that that you love and the rest of you. (laughs) 
took a second on that one, didn't it? You were like, wow, he's getting real deep. Oh, he almost got deep. But I am thankful for you. I am thankful for this church. God has blessed us, and God, God is good. So let's talk about providence, okay? The word providence. Here's, I'm going to give you the, the, the official meaning of this. God's foreseeing protection and provision and the manifestation of such care and guidance. That's a lot of big words, isn't it? Let me say it again. Just, just look at that with me. It's God's foreseeing protection and provision and the manifestation of such care and guidance. Some, some people call it uh, divine providence or, or God's providence, okay? And let me give you the kind of IE, uh, this is really breaking it down for you here. God provides our needs before we even know we have them. Sometimes without us even knowing through gifts, guidance, and circumstances. I would love when I get to heaven to go, okay, God, can you just show me the times you showed up when I didn't even know you were there? And he's like, man, good thing we got an eternity because I was, you, you needed a lot of help. Right? I just wonder sometimes when I turned right and went this way to work, why didn't I turn left and go this way to work? Same distance, same time. Might have just been the oatmeal I had for breakfast that morning. But it might have been God intervening and saying, don't go that way. It's time for you to move. I mean, other times, there are times where I pray, and for some reason, God says no. I know! But God always answers. It's like he knows better. In May of 2006, I was hired as a youth pastor at an amazing church down in Cincinnati, Ohio. And as I went in uh, and I was hired, they said, hey, just to let you know, in five weeks you're going to take two dozen teenagers and three adults down to uh, northern Tennessee to work with an Appalachian ministry, FYI. I said, cool, this is great because I don't know them. This will give us a great opportunity to get to know one another. And so we did. The, you know, a few weeks later, we're, we're in the church vans and we're heading down to Tennessee. We get there Sunday night, put up our tents. Who stays in tents? We put up tents. It was awesome, actually. And the next morning we got up and it was this trip that they do down there where every day you experience a new type of ministry. Kind of cool. It was a great idea. I liked it. But the first day, that Monday, was going to be team building, how we minister to one another, which for me was awesome because, again, I just didn't know most of these kids, and I've only had a few weeks to even get to introduce myself a little bit. And that first day, we go to a local community college there that has a, a ropes course and a team initiative course all set up for, for groups to to come and do those things. And we met up at this building and they split us into two teams. And as we're walking down to the woods, it starts sprinkling a little bit. And I'm going, oh, this is a bummer. And they went, oh no, we'll still do it in the rain as long as there's no thunder or lightning. And I went, okay. So it starts raining more and more as we get toward the trailhead at the woods until finally it's actually raining pretty nicely. They said, oh, don't worry. It's so dense in the forest, the canopies of, of trees will actually shield you from the rain. 
and, and I found out they lied. Um, <laughs> because we got to the first initiative, which was about a mile walk, and the, the heavens opened up, and a vertical river come downeth upon my head. If. I learned that day that waterproof boots not only protect water from getting in, but they also prevent it from getting out. <laughs> For three hours, we did a team initiative course in the pouring down rain. We were cold, we were wet, we were muddy. There were girls crying. There was their youth pastor crying. Um, <laughs> But I remember, the, the one part I remember is we got into the woods, we got to the first thing, and I said, you know what, we should probably just pray. And I remember several of us praying, God, just please stop the rain so we can have this time to bond together. Very good intentions, isn't it? That's a wonderful prayer. And God said no. And it kept raining. And finally... Around 1 o'clock, we, we left the woods, went, and we had some lunch and that. And, and the question came up, why didn't God answer our prayer? And I said, well, God did. Maybe we just need to understand what the answer meant. The next day, we went and did our service project, great service project, too long to explain, but it was wonderful. And then Wednesday, the following day, we went and we did another service project where we worked for a really nice lady named Miss Margaret. Miss Margaret was a woman in her early 80s whose husband had just passed. She contacted the ministry and said, I need some people to come and just help me clean out stuff because I just there's some things I just can't do. And so we spent the whole day at Miss Margaret's house. We cleaned her gutters. We cleaned a lot of stuff that was, held a lot of memories for her out of her basement. We loaded up a, a dumpster. We loaded up another thing for a local charity. And uh, at lunchtime, we sat down. And I remember it was June 28th because it was Miss Margaret's birthday that day. And we went and bought her cake. And we sat down with Miss Margaret. And she says, how about that rain on Monday? And I went, let me tell you, sister. Before I could get a word out, she says, I was so thankful. I have been praying for that. I went, oh, it's your fault. (laughs) But it got very real when she started explaining why she was praying for it. Because for weeks before, there had been drought. She had several goats. That was how she made some money. She, She sold goat milk and things like that. And she had several, lots and lots and lots of goats. And she said, you don't understand, my, my grass is dying. They're, they're losing stuff to eat. And I was going to take, I was going to take the money I had set aside for my groceries so I could buy them grain so that they had something to eat. And God answered my prayer, and it rained. I felt that big. I'm like, okay. (laughs) God's providence saying no to me so he could say yes to Miss Margaret. The result was she had grass to feed her livestock. She had food to feed herself. What was an inconvenience for us was life-giving to her. And out of it, we had an amazing team-building time that the kids, that young adults now, are still talking about today. 
Remember when you were muddy and your face got all... Yeah. It's an amazing time that God uses. That, my friends, that is providence. Galatians 1, 15, the Apostle Paul writes, But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by His marvelous grace. He had a plan for Paul before he was born, and He has a plan for you. For everyone that is called according to God's purpose, if you are a child of God, if you accepted the Lord into your heart and you are a member of this awesome family of God, He has a plan for you. And He had a plan for you before you were born. And before your mom was born. And before her mom was born. You get where I'm going with this? It's like He knows. A great example of that in the Bible was, was David. King David, right? Shepherd boy turned king. And... Uh, you know, of course, probably one of, the, one of the things people remember most about David is the whole David and Goliath series. And here comes this young whippersnapper, little guy coming up to face Goliath, the giant warrior. And there was this encounter between David and King Saul right at the battle lines, and it went something like this. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it, and I killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. In other words, God had already prepared David to defeat Goliath because he was raised to be a good shepherd boy. God had already prepared David to be a great worshiper, a great psalmist, because he would pass the time in the field singing songs to the Lord. God prepared David to be king because of the faith he had in God's providence that he experienced throughout his life through guidance and circumstances. And God, in the same way, has you in His hands. There are no coincidences. You know? There are no coincidences. God has a purpose. And it's, it's weird and it's wild how He moves sometimes. Which is the nice way of saying God moves in mysterious ways. For me, it's just kind of crazy and a little weird. But a few weeks ago, Donna and I we're in, in Colorado. We went out to do a wedding, which was beautiful and nice. And, and so we go and we fly into Denver and we go up to the, the budget car rental place where I had the, the littlest, tiniest, cheapest car <laughs> reserved. And I'm like, you know, I, look, I, I, I like saving a dollar, man. And I, it took me four weeks to find this great deal on this car. And so we had a little compact car all ready to go. And, and so when you go rent a, a car, what's the first thing they do? 
Well, would you like an upgrade with that? It's called upsell, upselling. It's like in a restaurant, right? Would you like a loaded baked potato for a dollar more? That's what they're doing. There's a strategy there. And this guy was on, man. He had his Cheerios that day. He was like, well, you know, you're going to be in the mountains. You're going to want a little more horsepower to go up there. And it's 93 degrees. You're going to want some air conditioning. You probably got a lot of luggage. And I'm like, really, dude? So anyway, I, I am a rock when it comes to those things. I'm like, you bring it on. Give me your best one, dude. No. <laughs> but for only $25 more, I can give you a great bit. And I said, no. And so finally, I looked at the guy. I said, look. And he says, he said look. For this amount more, which almost doubled the, the cost, I can give you, I'll give you a second upgrade. You'll have two full upgrades. And I said, look, man, I appreciate it, but we're on a budget, you know? And he goes, oh, okay, I understand. And he goes, what if I give you that for half that price, and, and I'll give you a really good deal? And I thought, come on, man. And then something inside my head went, you know what? It may be kind of nice to have a little bit bigger car, get around. We're going to probably be with our friends, and he's six foot ten, so it's nice to have something bigger than a Kia. And, and I, something inside of me broke, and I went, you know what, let's go ahead and do it. I never have done that before. Sign the paper, and he goes, you know what? Hey, let me tell you something else. He says... I actually just got a really nice Ford Explorer, and I'll give it to you for that price, I promised. So he gave us a, a triple upgrade. We ended up in this huge Ford, beautiful leather. It had everything smooth. It was like driving butter. I mean, it was just, <laughs> it was gorgeous. It, and it was, it, let me tell you what, going up and down those mountains, because we did a lot of traveling when we were out there. We had a lot of people to see. It was nice. Am I lying? Yeah, it was nice. And... Um, but to be honest, for six days after, I'm just kicking myself. I should have just stuck to my guns. Why? Why did I say yes? Why did I sign on the line? In the sixth day, we went and visited my niece, who was about 20 minutes north of Denver. And as we're head, we had lunch. It was great. And as we're heading back, we get to a roundabout, which I don't know why we need roundabouts in America. We did okay with stop signs for the longest time. <laughs> Okay, calm down, people. Wow. If anybody here works for ODOT, we'll pray for you afterward, because there's about ready to be a riot. So I get to this roundabout, and there's a car coming through, so I stop to let it through, right? So I can get right behind him, and we get nailed from behind. A Subaru Outback. Full force, didn't hit the brakes at all. Hit us. When I got out of the car, and I went to the back, and the whole front of his was crumpled up, because that's what they do, right? Crumple zones. And his horn was stuck on, which is really a blast. <laughs> Literally. And I looked at the two dents, this big, in the back of that Explorer. I like the fact that neither Don and I or the driver of the Subaru were hurt at all. I looked at the fact that right before he hit me, I had just taken my foot off the brake so I could proceed. And so there was no resistance when he hit. I looked at the fact that the car that was coming through the roundabout had just cleared us when he hit us. And I go, that was a great coincidence. No. 
I said, God is in control. I said, God had our back when I was standing at that budget rental and that little thing inside of me that said, go ahead and get it, was the Holy Spirit. And I believe that 100% that God protected us that day. And he is very, very good. Very, very good. Wow. God is good. All right. Sovereignty. This is the tough one, folks. This is where some people get stuck because it's a little hard to understand. But sovereignty is God's ultimate, singular authority. We're talking God, the Trinity, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. His singular authority. And that's a little hard to understand in a a country that's based on a democratic process. We vote for the people that lead us. They don't lead us just because they were born into it. There's not a single monarch that we look to. And there are countries still that do that. And if you read your history and and understand uh, about monarchy and sovereignties, when they want something, they get it. And if they like the land that your house is on, it's theirs. Of course, now they can bestow whatever gifts they'd like on you also. But it's a little tough, and and there's a a theologian, author, a guy named R.C. Sproul, and he wrote this. The concept of lordship, or sovereignty, invested in one individual is repugnant to the American tradition. Yet, this is the boldness of the claim of the New Testament for Jesus, that absolute sovereign authority and imperial power are vested in Christ. That's the gospel. That's who God is. God created everything. Simply put, to explain it, God is in control. God is in control. Now, that doesn't mean that God is controlling. We're not puppets. You know, He's not micromanaging everything. We still have free will. We can mess up as much as we want. Or do good things too. But we need to understand that there is nothing outside the Creator's scope. Outside of what He sees. Outside of what His hand is upon. It's all God's. And He can give it. And He can take it away. I love that song. Blessed be your name. And they sing that bridge at the end. He gives and takes away. And when I first heard that song, I didn't like it as much. I'm like, well, this is my God. I get the giving part. He is gracious, and he does give, but why would he take away? Well, it's not necessarily that he would, but he can, because he's sovereign, and he has the right to give and the right to take away. And one of the, one of the hard things to understand about sovereignty is that the sovereignty, the examples that we've had of sovereignties uh, in the natural the kings, the queens, the princes, the you name it, throughout the world who, who have been sovereign have abused it because they're sinful people just like us. They've used it to further themselves. And, but God is without sin. And his sovereignty is perfect. The other great thing is his, uh, his, he's not petty. And nothing, none of this is based 
on anything like that. Um, in, in Colossians 1, 15 through 17, it says this, The Son is the image of the invisible God. In other words, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created. How many things? All things, absolutely, were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we love the idea of God's sovereignty until it messes with something we want. But God owns it all. He created it all. And we are stewards. We are the ones that we are blessed to have what he gives us to be good stewards of. Even our faith, our salvation, is proof of God's sovereign gift to us. Think about this. Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father enables him or draws him. It's John 6.65. In Matthew 11... No one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not from yourself. It is a gift from God. It's Ephesians 2. And even Jonah, hundreds of years before Jesus, said salvation is from the Lord, our sovereign Lord. So let's take a look at why it's hard for us to understand and embrace the sovereignty. Because it's easy enough sometimes to understand, but to embrace it's a whole other thing. So let's run through those quickly. First is control. We don't like to be out of control. We like control, or at least the illusion of it. Right? I like to be in control. Fear. It's just not easy to hand over the rule of your life, especially to someone you can't see. Right? Pride. No one's going to tell me what to do. Especially someone I can't see. Right? Distrust. Does he really know what's best for me? I mean, I see what's going on in other, other parts of the world and even in this country to believers. What's going to happen to me? Exactly what needs to happen to you. Exactly what God's will is for you. And that's really hard, and that's a whole nother sermon for a whole nother day of why those things happen. But the, the short answer is there is sin in this world, and people sin, and people are sinful, and there are people who don't love Jesus, and who don't know, and don't follow. And that's, that happens. But anyway, again, that's for another day. But God has our back. He knows what we're going through. He knows exactly what we need when we need it. Let me give you the opposite, though, that the advantages. Here's the good stuff. The advantage of giving yourself over to the sovereignty, providence, and provision of our Lord, our Creator, our Savior, our God. Versus freedom. There is such a freedom in handing over stuff. The stuff that you think matters the stuff that breaks your heart. It's great to hand it over to someone who you trust. 
if you ever take that big banker's box full of receipts and stuff to your tax person on April 14th and say, help me. Yeah, you're going to be their favorite client. Um, But you do. At the end of the year, you take it and you go, I trust you. Please handle this. And there's a freedom when you let go of that. In the same way, there's a freedom when we know that God is in control so we don't have to be. Peace. When you know someone else is responsible, there's an incredible peace that flows over you. Our first time uh, when we were in England for the very first time, they drive on the wrong side of the road. And they have roundabouts. Wow. It was so nice to be able to get into our friend's car and let them drive us on the wrong side of the road to places we had no idea how to get to. Even with GPS, it's a little disconcerting sometimes. Uh, Don and I were in Boston one time, man, driving in Boston with the GPS. Is like, the GPS is like, I don't know, just turn. But when you can rely and just get in someone's car and go, just take me where you need to, there's a peace. Let God drive. Let God drive. Three, there's a contentment. We don't use this word in today's society that often, do we? It's not about contentment. It's about go for whatever you can. Go get it. And there's nothing wrong with being ambitious. But are you content with what you have right now? And there's a contentment to know that God gives us what we need exactly when we need it. And it doesn't mean that we sit on our butt and go, okay, God, just bring it on because I don't feel like working today. But it means that we use the tools, the hands, the feet, the mind that God gave us to go do that, and he will supply. And the fifth thing is we, oh, I'm sorry, the fourth thing, our good gets replaced with God's great. Too many times we settle for the good. Hey, I'm doing all right. Yeah, but how would you like to do awesome? God's got big plans for you. And you know what? Good is easy. But adversity brings great. Sometimes that iron needs to sharpen the iron a little, and it's a little uncomfortable. But that rain for three hours straight brought a greatness to our group down in Tennessee that we couldn't have experienced without it. And fifth is we find our role in God's kingdom. You have a role in the kingdom of God, the sovereign, the the singular authority, the creator of the universe wants you in his kingdom to have a part in it. We do this by uh, surrendering ourselves, surrendering ourselves to his authority. Wow, another bad word, surrender. I mean, we'll surrender part of this, but not everything. No, God wants it all. It's all his anyway. We need to just give up throw up our hands, and say, God, whatever you ask me, I'll do. You want me to sell everything and move to Africa? Cool, I'll hang out with the Hazas. We'd be good, right? Worse yet, he might say, hey, I need you to just go talk to your your next-door neighbor about Jesus. Ow. Okay? But by surrendering to God's authority, we experience three things, and I'm going to finish with this. One, we begin seeing God's loving sovereignty where once we only saw a wrathful judge. The second thing is we begin seeing God's providence where once we only saw a coincidence. And the third is we begin seeing God's provision where once we saw a need to be self-reliant. 
And if the band will come on up, I'm going to just end with this. That God is good. God is good. He is worthy to be praised. We see Him in the land when it's plentiful. And we know that He's also in the desert. We give thanks when we're blessed and we rejoice during times of adversity because we know that God is sovereign and we know that He only, only wants the best for His children. Father God, thank You for this this word this morning, Lord. Thank You for Your provision, how You graciously give to us. How You always meet us right where we need to be met. Thank You for the providence that sees things beyond whatever we could see and provides for them, that moves us in certain ways and lets things line up to exactly the way You need them And it blesses us. And thank you, Lord, for your amazing sovereignty, for your authority over heaven and earth. You give and you take away. But in all that, you bless us. And so we bless you, Lord God. And we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Just join us as we worship.